A quick note before we begin, this episode discusses depression and suicide. If you or a loved one are depressed or contemplating suicide, you can go to www.iasp.info to find help worldwide. Teresa McSpadden is a stay-at-home mom in Pennsylvania. She has five kids, two have autism. My son is um, 10, his name is Noah. He's one of the ones with autism. He's a bright little boy who um, loves, you know, playing video games and riding his bike. Um, He's about five foot right now, 140 pounds, with bright blue eyes and like brown hair. He does pretty well in school. Um, I mean, he has his moments where he disagrees with other kids, but nothing too major at school, which is good. But Noah can struggle with his moods. He'll go to his room and watch videos or play games on the phone, or sometimes he'll come into my room to watch a TV show. But if you try to approach him, he just kind of, you know, growls at you. And tells, it, and tells you to leave him alone. That's how I know he's not, you know, that's how, that's how I know he's feeling depressed. Noah's been diagnosed with depression and hospitalized twice for suicidal ideation, which means thinking about suicide, from fleeting thoughts to detailed plans. There have been times when he would say, you know, he hates himself or he hates his face or things like that. He's been struggling with with this for a long time. Depression and suicidal thoughts appear to be more common in autistic people, but they're also often more difficult to detect. We believe that patients with autism are at elevated risk for suicide, but we don't know how much that risk is. There are no suicide risk screening tools developed specifically for kids with autism and intellectual disability. This episode, Autism and Suicide, why depression and risk of suicide can be difficult to spot in people with autism, and what doctors are doing about it. You're listening to Spectrum Stories, the podcast from Spectrum, the leading source for news and opinion on autism research. I'm Ben Kiebrick. In this episode, we'll hear about a new screening tool being designed to assess if children with autism are at risk of suicide, why people with autism are at higher risk for depression, and how to help someone with autism who may be thinking about suicide. In the United States, the suicide rate has been increasing. For people aged 10 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death, and it can be difficult to figure out how to address the problem. But if you look at young people who have died from suicide, 80% went to a doctor in the months before their death which means doctors have a chance to reach them. The problem is that people don't walk into their doctor's office and say, doctor, I want to die. That's Lisa Horowitz, a pediatric psychologist at the National Institutes of Health. They come in with stomach aches and headaches and, and medical conditions. And so if their doctor doesn't say, are you having thoughts about killing yourself, they most likely will not talk about it. So Horowitz created a tool for doctors and nurses to screen young patients for suicide risk during routine appointments. It's called the Ask Suicide Screening Questions, or the ASK for short. And it's a set of four questions that take just 20 seconds to administer. In the past few weeks, have you wished you were dead? 
in the past few weeks, have you felt that you or your family would be better off if you were dead? In the past week, have you been having thoughts about killing yourself? And have you ever tried to kill yourself? If someone answers yes to any of the questions, they're at higher risk of dying by suicide. And doctors can then ask them more in-depth questions to figure out the best ways to get them help. And it seems to work. Of the youth studied, that short survey that asked successfully identified 97% of those at risk for suicide. The problem was, that was only of the people that they studied, and they didn't study everyone. While we were doing the ASK study, I had a psychologist from Toronto who called me, and she was asking me about this study, and then she said, did you include kids with autism? Because she worked at a community health center where they specialized in working with kids who had autism and intellectual disability. And they were seeing a problem with suicidal thoughts and suicidal behavior, and she really needed a screening tool. And I unfortunately had to tell her that actually we excluded kids with autism and intellectual disability from our study. It's common to exclude people with health conditions from studies because they can complicate the analysis of the results. But if a study excludes people with autism, then it's unclear whether the study's results apply to people with autism. So Horowitz and that psychologist, Dr. Rachel Greenbaum, decided to conduct a new study that took autistic youth into account. We decided to do a study where we actually could test the ASK and see if it needed to be adapted for kids with autism and intellectual disability. So far, they've just done a pilot study with 17 kids, in which they showed children with autism and their parents were okay with being asked about suicide during emergency room visits. Now they're getting a multi-site study up and running to figure out if the same four questions they used to screen for suicide risk in the general population are also the best for kids with autism, or if simplified questions might be more effective. We took the four ask questions, and then we added some more candidate items. Like, in the past few weeks, have you been worried or scared a lot? Have you thought your life was so bad that you didn't want to live anymore? So what we did on these items to capture kids with autism and intellectual disability is we simplified the language. The goal is to create a short, simple list of questions that nurses or doctors can use to screen for suicide risk in kids with autism. You want it to be as quick as possible while catching the kids at risk and not flagging too many low-risk kids for follow-up. Horowitz also hopes that this new screening tool might help researchers figure out how common suicidal ideation is in autistic people. I've seen studies that 11% of a sample that was tested of people with autism have suicidal ideation, and I've seen studies as high as 66%. So what that tells you in a field, if you look at that range, and it goes from 11% to 66%, which is incredibly high, um, that's too wide a range, right? So we don't know what the true number is, but what we know and what we're seeing is that people with autism have, an, have a higher rate of suicide and suicidal behavior. So why are people on the spectrum at a higher risk of suicide? Experts say there are a number of factors that probably play a role. One factor is social unease. If you don't have social awareness, even if you don't have autism, it's a risk factor for suicide. So if you're a kid with 
a different inflection and you don't make eye contact and you feel extremely shy and awkward in social situations, you might get bullied. You might not have as many friends. People don't want to come over your house. You know, there all those things make people feel socially isolated. And that's a risk factor for having suicidal thoughts. Bullying is thought to be responsible for about half the connection between social communication problems and depression. And both communication problems and bullying have been issues for McSpadden's son, Noah. I mean, he's very verbal, but getting from his head to his mouth when he's upset um, or just very anxious, it can be very difficult at times. He'll grunt at you. He'll just growl at you. And if you keep pushing it, then he'll start getting aggressive. Last summer, Noah was going to a day camp at his elementary school, and another kid kept picking on him. Noah had told me that there was this one little boy who kept bothering him pretty much daily. And then this one day, this little boy just would not leave him alone. Noah went to the counselors who told Noah to stay away from the other boy. And Noah tried to stay away, but the boy kept physically pushing him. Eventually, he just kind of had enough. Noah and this little boy got into, like, a verbal disagreement. He had used everything that he could to, you know, get this little boy to stop bothering him. It still didn't stop, so that's when he stated he was going to, um, to kill him and bring a knife to school and stab him. The other boy ran to the counselors. The camp called the police and then Teresa. I drove over there, and as soon as I got out of the car, I started crying. So I walk in, and <clears throat> and, and the police officer standing there, and Noah's sitting on a bench. And then the, the officer started talking to me. He said it was <clears throat> serious, and that, that the incident would be given to the juvenile detective, and Noah could be charged. Teresa told the officer that Noah had autism. The officer told her that that was no excuse. Noah left the camp and nobody pressed charges, but Teresa wishes the camp counselors and the police officer had been better trained about autism. I wish more first responders or just people who deal with the public a lot had training on how to deal with people with autism who are in the middle of a meltdown. Horowitz says doctors could also use more training about how to communicate with people with autism and more training in how to talk about suicide. Communication disorders are very prevalent in people with autism. And if someone has a communication disorder, that might be harder to ask them questions directly, to have them talk about their symptoms. People with autism are at higher risk for suicide and they need to be asked and they need to be asked in in a way that is um, effective for asking people with autism. Horowitz says the important thing when it comes to asking about suicide, whether you're a doctor, a parent, or a friend, is to ask directly and then listen. People who are thinking about suicide do want to talk about suicide and they do want someone to ask and, and they want someone to care. That's something McSpadden has had to learn to do. When I ask him, he usually states that he doesn't really want to die, but that's all I can get out of him. He won't say anything else. And is that is that or was that at first kind of awkward to, to ask about? 
Yeah, at first, um, but it's kind of our normal now. But what should you do if the person you ask says they do think about suicide? You can take them to an emergency room. You can call the suicide hotline. You don't have to be the person that fixes it. You just have to be the person that listens and then helps get them help. And Horowitz says we need to start having this tough conversation if we want to tackle the suicide problem. We haven't made a dent in the suicide rate in over 65 years. So it's not a new problem. I think the more we talk about it, the uh, more people will feel comfortable asking directly about suicide. And I really do believe that every single one of us, if we keep our eyes open and, and we're brave enough to ask and brave enough to listen, that we can make an impact on the suicide rate. That's it for this episode of Spectrum Stories. Thanks to Cheryl Plasman weinstock this story was based on her reporting. For more, read her new feature, The Hidden Danger of Suicide and Autism, at spectrumnews.org. Thanks for listening.